Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Tales to Terrify, part of the District of Wonders network. Featuring Starship Sofa and Far-Fetched Fables, everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Good evening, children of the night. I was taking a look at Vice's site and saw a article about a movie by Luca Guadagnino. His last movie was Call Me By Your Name, A Queer Romance which I heard was good, but I haven't seen. 
His follow-up film, what the rap called Black Swan meets The Exorcist. Vice's article is a report that apparently several people who watched the teaser clip may have barfed up their quinoa salad. The clip shows a dancer's body being torn apart as a result of some sort of supernatural connector to another dancer's body as they perform. Well, I enjoyed The Exorcist. I really enjoyed Black Swan. So I suppose that this movie, called Suspiria, will be right up my alley. But, wow, that's quite a thing to read about a movie. Keep your eyes out for this one. Or if you have a particularly weak stomach, maybe keep your eyes in. We have one longer story for you this evening. Let's hear a bit about the author. Genevieve Flynn is a horror writer and freelance fiction editor from Brisbane, Australia. She has two psychology degrees and has only ever used them for nefarious purposes. She loves tales that unsettle, all things writerly, and B-grade action movies. If that sounds like you, check out her website, www.genevieveflynn.com.au, or you can find her at facebook.com slash Genevieve Flynn. Links will be in the show notes. Children of the Night, lend me your ears for a Tales to Terrify original from Genevieve Flynn, The Fledgling. They say a blackbird once laid an egg in St. Kevin's hand. Morgan, the school captain, held out her hand to demonstrate. He didn't move until the chicks had hatched and flown away. The chicks represent each and every one of us. We are kept in the palm of the Lord until we are ready to fledge. Chris hesitated, wondering what the hell she was supposed to say to that. None of the other parents seemed to think her words were out of the ordinary. If everyone could move to your right, Morgan called out to the group, you'll see Mr. Steiner's civics class. Chris moved forward, then realised her daughter had not followed. Come on, Beck, let's have a look, she said with a false brightness. Rebecca wound her hands around Chris's arms as they joined everyone at the window. A male teacher spoke in front of a class. He asked a question, and every student raised their hands in silent unison. Chris blinked in surprise. Mum, what if I don't have the answer? Rebecca whispered, her eyes reddening. What if no one likes me? Chris resisted the urge to pull away. Rebecca. Rebecca's face fell. This was a conversation they'd had too many times. They both knew it. Now, if everyone could look to your left, Morgan pointed with the polished charm of a game show host, you will see our new library. Suzanne Fowler, the principal, stood beside Morgan, nodding. She clutched a rafter of folders to her chest and absently fingered the scarf draped around her neck. Her lips were upturned, her eyes glassy and distant. Morgan finished speaking, and the principal appeared to return to herself. A male student hurried to Morgan's side and whispered in her ear. She nodded her thanks and dismissed him, laying a solicitous hand on the principal's arm. The drama club are ready for us now, Miss Fowler, Morgan murmured. 
the principal adjusted her glasses and beamed at the waiting crowd. As the last part of our tour, we have something special for our prospective families. One of our very talented students, the youngest in the country to be accepted into NIDA, has written a play. As they filed past the principal, Morgan wormed her way through the crowd and stopped beside Rebecca. Hi, I'm Morgan. I noticed you looked a bit worried there by Mr. Steiner's class. Rebecca huddled closer to Chris and smiled nervously. Hi. Morgan flicked a quick glance after the rest of the tour group filing inside the Performing Arts building. She turned back with a thoughtful expression. I bet you like art better than drama. I'm... I'm not very good at speaking. Want to explore the art complex with me? We only had a quick look before, but it's the best part of the school. You should see the 3D design system. Rebecca straightened, her expression clearing. Could I? Morgan looked up at Chris. Miss Mallard? Rebecca's eyes were huge and eager. Her bottom lip clamped in her teeth. Please, Mum? Chris hesitated, bemused that Morgan had done in seconds what she had battled to do since she'd filled in the forms for Rebecca's transfer six months ago. She gave Rebecca a squeeze and a little push. Have fun. Don't be long, though. We've got to pick Ben up in twenty minutes. Don't worry, I'll have her back in fifteen. Morgan beckoned, and without hesitation, Rebecca followed. They passed a boy kneeling on the path, tying his shoelace. Pull your socks up, Morgan muttered at him. He tugged his socks into place and hurried away. Two crows were perched on a branch high in the tree overhanging the path. Their heads tracked him as he passed beneath them. One of them opened its beak and let out a soft, disapproving sigh. Chris stretched at her desk, feeling the pops up her spine. She glanced at her watch. 1.48pm. Damn! Three weeks' work, and there was still so much to do on this contract. She went to the bottom of the stairs. Ben! Want some lunch? she called. At least she didn't have to worry about Rebecca. She was at a student council meeting. Chris shook her head with a smile. Five months ago, if someone had said that to her, she would have laughed. I'm going to Eli's, Ben yelled from his room. Chris rubbed her forehead and bit back a sigh. It was like her children had switched roles. Now Ben had become skittish and closed, barely speaking beyond a mumble and disappearing for hours on end. This was the third weekend he was going to his friend's house. Ben came thundering down past her, his bag clutched close to his chest. Chris snagged the strap. Hey, I don't remember saying you could go. He swung round. Teeth bared, eyes wide. Don't touch it. Chris raised her hands. What is the matter with you? Ben drew his bag away from her 
and refused to meet her eyes. Nothing. What's in the bag, Ben? Chris planted her hands on her hips. It's nothing, Mum, I swear. His eyes flicked up at her, then away. Open the bag, Benjamin. Ben blinked furiously. It's Eli's game, he mumbled. I accidentally broke it last week. I'm going to get it fixed with my savings. The hard knot in her stomach loosened. Oh, Ben, why didn't you just tell me? She reached out and stroked his cheek. His skin was hot and dry. Are you okay, sweetie? You don't talk to me any more. You barely look at your sister. What's going on? Ben offered up a weak smile. It's nothing, Mum. I just... I... I just miss Dad. Old grief punched a fresh hole in her chest, and it took a breath before she could muster an answer. I know, sweetie. I miss him too. But I'm here for you and Rebecca. He twisted away at the sound of his sister's name. Did you and Beck have a fight? Ben shook his head quickly. And I go? I promised Eli I'd bring it back today. I feel really bad for breaking it. All right, but I want you home by six. We'll all sit down and have dinner. She ruffled his hair. Like a proper family. You, me and Beck. A look of panic contorted his features for a fast moment before he smothered it. Okay. He paused, as if waiting for something else from her. But before she could say anything, he turned and hurried to the entry, giving her a final troubled glance. Then he was gone. Ben hurried down the path in the opposite direction of Eli's house. He passed from the afternoon sunshine into the shade of a couple of acacias, shivering. He gingerly adjusted his bag against his chest, feeling the heavy click and the settle of the eggs. His stomach clenched, but he didn't dare shift the bag onto his shoulders. Then the things would be at his back, unwatched. He was pretty sure he'd gotten them all. Nine this time. Rebecca was getting more determined. He squeezed his eyes shut. He hadn't lied about missing his father. Not because his dad had been especially nice or fun, but because his dad would have been someone else in charge. With dad gone, there was just him and mum. Ben's toe caught the jutting edge of a slab of concrete. He cried out, eyes flying open the bag tumbling from his grasp as he skidded onto his hands and knees. He didn't register the sting on his palms or the bright pain in his knees. All his exhausted mind saw were the eggs smashing under the nylon womb of his bag, freeing the trembling, wet things inside. With a gasp, he scrambled to his feet, sweeping up the bag as he ran. His feet slapped on the pavement as an endless loop of gibberish spun in his mind. He skidded to a halt when he got to the park. There was a lake at the far end, past the playground. 
A couple of families had taken up the table and benches surrounding the equipment. Nobody was near the lake. He forced himself to slow down and walk normally. A weak chirping broke out from his bag and he almost dropped it to the stained concrete. He glanced round, saw that none of the park-goers were watching him and broke into a fast trot. He reached the edge of the lake, checked he was still unobserved and hurled the bag as far out into the water as he could. It landed with a splash, where it bobbed, refusing to sink. The cheeping in the bag grew strident, seeming to reach inside Ben and turn him inside out. A crow swooped over his head. He ducked and cried out. It landed on the bag, plucking away till it broke through a rip in the nylon. It plunged its head inside and yanked out a red piece of flesh. It tugged and stretched till it snapped. It tipped its head up and gulped it down. Ugh! Ben snatched up a rock and flung it at the crow. With a squawk, it flapped away. A second crow swooped from a tall gum on the other side of the lake. Ben caught up another rock and pegged it. Oi! Stop that, you little maggot! Ben spun and saw a man jogging towards him, florid and furious. Ben stared, frozen for a second, before he broke into a sprint, leaving his bag and its contents behind. Chris pushed away from her desk after an hour. It was no use. She couldn't concentrate. The conversation with Ben had unsettled her more than she realised. Surely it was just guilt over breaking his friend's game. What else could it be? Not drugs. Not Ben. She stood and sighed. The montage of photos above her laptop caught her eye. Photos of Pete and Ben and Rebecca beamed at her. She smiled at her favourite photo. It was of Rebecca sitting on a beanbag, her arms around Ben. She had to have been six and Ben three. Chris plucked it off its hook and held it close. She climbed up the stairs. The first room was Rebecca's. The bed was perfectly made and her books were lined up on her shelf. The soft toys she had adored were all gone, leaving the room unpopulated and cold. Chris crossed to Rebecca's desk and sat. She ran her hand over the wooden surface, fingertips grazing the edge of a notepad, unsure what she was hoping for. Perhaps some remnant of the little girl in the photo. She shook herself. She should be happy. Rebecca was doing so well. She was on the student council. She was confident. She was popular. And she was on the principal's honour roll, for goodness sake. She propped the frame on top of Rebecca's desk, angled so Rebecca would see it when she sat down. Chris swivelled and stared at the cupboard. It must have been the house settling. 
she still hadn't gotten used to the noises in the new house. She turned back to the desk and drew the notepad to her. There were faint indents along its surface, hinting at things Rebecca had written. Chris wondered whether they had been for schoolwork or for something more personal. Maybe a letter to a boy. She didn't even know which boys Rebecca liked. Chris frowned. She slowly turned and faced the cupboard again. She listened hard. Nothing. She pushed herself to her feet and approached the cupboard. There was probably a little mouse gnawing at an old sandwich. Rebecca was famous for stashing uneaten lunches under her bed and in the bottom of her bag. <laughs> her old room had been a health hazard. Chris pulled the doors open. Navy St. Kevin's uniforms, jeans, tops and dresses hung like a sterile display in a department store. Socks were rolled and lined up in the clear storage drawers with military precision, along with navy ties and black and white underwear. Sneakers, flats and sandals stood side by side, perfectly aligned with the back wall. A small, uneasy thought crept into her head. This was nothing like Rebecca's old room. Then she saw the egg. It was pale blue and speckled, smaller than a chicken's egg. It was tucked in the folds of one of Rebecca's sweaters at the back of the cupboard. What on earth was Rebecca doing with an egg? Was it part of some science project? She leaned in and inspected it. Yes, it was definitely an egg. Maybe it was one of those parenting education things, like those programmes where the kids had to look after a toy baby that cried and needed feeding every couple of hours. She reached in and tested its weight. It was heavy and cold. Whatever was in it was dead. She sighed and drew it out, wondering what to tell Rebecca. Something inside the egg slithered against the thin shell. With a yelp, Chris flung her fingers open. The egg tumbled to the floor, hitting the carpet with a wet crack. Chris stared, horrified as something struggled inside the broken shell. It made a pitiful cheeping noise as it tried to drag itself free. Chris cupped a hand over her mouth and gagged. Chick was covered in matted grey feathers, a coil of bloody membrane still clinging to its head. Its eyes were huge and blind in its bony skull. It lifted its head in Chris's direction and began to pull itself towards her. One wing dragged behind it, twisted and broken. Chris backed away, mesmerised by its tremulous progress. It slowed, its cheeping growing weaker. 
it shuddered to a stop and lay shivering in the middle of the carpet, a trail of shattered shell behind it. Chris blinked, shaking off her numb disgust. She stepped over it and pulled out a pair of socks from Rebecca's cupboard. She knelt by the chick and tucked the socks around it. It cheeped weakly and lay its head back down. Hang on, she muttered, and went to dig up an empty shoebox. She returned with a box, some rags, a bottle of carpet cleaner, and a pair of gloves. She made a nest in the box, pulled the gloves on and gingerly scooped up the chick. It weighed unpleasantly in her hands, and she imagined she could feel its broken bones moving loosely in her palms. With a shudder, she laid it in the box, tucking the socks back around it. It settled and quietened. Chris lowered the lid back on, relieved it was out of sight. She picked up the tiny shards of shell and dropped them in the bin beside Rebecca's desk. When the carpet was scrubbed clean, she collected the box careful not to disturb its inhabitant. She dumped the gloves and rags in the laundry tub and went to call Leslie. It's a crow. Leslie sipped her tea noisily, the lines around her mouth deepening. Chris placed a plate of biscuits in front of her friend. Will it survive? Leslie shrugged. Crows are pretty tough. She took a biscuit and dunked it in her mug. The egg was cold when you picked it up. Yes, I thought whatever was in it was dead. Leslie crammed the rest of her biscuit in her mouth and dusted off her hands. She drew the shoebox towards her and lifted the lid. Cheeping greeted her immediately. She grinned at Chris. Sounds alive to me. Chris tried to smile back, but she couldn't discard the heavy cold feel of the egg in her bare fingers and the sight of the chick dragging itself across the carpet, broken and quivering. Leslie took out a tiny dropper filled with thin milky fluid from her bag. She scooped the chick out of the box, rags and all, and laid it on the counter. The chick called, surprisingly loud for something so small. Leslie cooed and shushed it as she fed drops into its orange throat. When it was full and slow with sleep, she inspected its wings and legs. Gently palpating its body, its feathers had dried to a fluffy grey down. It peeped blindly in protest as Leslie stretched one wing out. Which wing do you reckon was broken? Chris leaned in. I think it was the left wing. She pointed without touching the chick. That one. The chick turned its head in the direction of her voice. It uttered a single strident cheep. It likes you, Leslie said. Chris returned its sightless gaze. 
Gooseflesh puckered the skin on her arms. Can you look after it for Rebecca? I think it's one of her rescues. I'll pay you. You don't reckon she'll want to do it herself? Leslie placed the chick back into the box. Chris quickly dropped the lid on and shook her head. No, she's got exams coming up. Fair enough. Leslie placed the dropper away. I'll set the wing, and with any luck it'll recover and I can release it in a few weeks. Chris exhaled. Thanks, Leslie. The old woman eyed her with a wry smile. It's only a bird, you know. It's a bit googly and gross now, but that's how we all start out. I know. Chris blushed. It was just a bit strange. Ben was having one of his moments. How's he doing? He's... it's fine. Chris shook her head and began tidying the mugs away. It's fine. Leslie waited. Really, Les, it's fine. Leslie tucked the box under her arm and leaned in to give Chris a hug. A scrabbling, scratching noise came from the box. Chris drew back sharply, then laughed, and returned to the embrace. <laughs> it's just a bird, right? Mum, can I come with you? Ben asked quietly. Honey, I can't take you to work, you know that. She clipped her briefcase shut and shrugged into her jacket. I ordered pizzas. I got that new DVD you wanted to watch. Exams are done. Holidays are here. You can relax. Ben shrugged. Don't you want to chill out at home with Beck? Chris went to grab her keys and paused, realising that he was close to tears. She gave her watch a covert glance. Honey, what's wrong? Is something bothering you? He shook his head, blinking hard. Did something happen at school today? No. She resisted the urge to check the time again. And what is it? Ben shook his head again. Nothing. I'm sorry, sweetie. I really have to go. I'll be home late, but we'll talk about this tomorrow. He looked into the living room. Chris followed the direction of his gaze. Rebecca's blue eyes reflected the light from the television blankly. Chris turned away. The uneasiness in her stomach threatened to rise and burst inside her like a bubble of acid. She'd gotten good at keeping it down lately. The dark shadows under Ben's eyes brought it back to the surface. It had been nesting inside her for weeks now, and she couldn't pinpoint what was causing it. Nor could she shake that damn feeling. She glanced at her watch. The meeting was to finalise the last contract. She couldn't afford to be late. She peeked again into the living room. Rebecca broke into giggles, mirroring the canned laughter track. Ben, come and see, she called. There's a little dog on a bike. A bubble of unease sank out of sight 
Go on, Benny. Chris scooped up her keys and pulled him in for a kiss. Go see what Beck's watching. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Love you. Ben blinked a smile into place. I love you too. Good luck. He turned and walked into the living room. Chris watched him with a frown. Her phone sang in her pocket, and she jumped, fished it out and hit receive. Hello? Gordon? I'm on my way. Sorry. The traffic. There must have been an accident. Yes, I, I understand. Fifteen minutes. Yes. Bye. Bye. She hung up and blew out a breath. See you guys. Be good. Bye, Mom. Rebecca called. No answer from Ben. Chris sighed and hurried out, locking the door behind her. Chris yawned and keyed the remote for the garage door. She waited until the dark rectangle of very early morning was shut out, then towed off her shoes. She padded into the kitchen, flexing her toes, and dumped her briefcase on the counter. There were dishes in the sink, pizza crusts still stuck to them, and glasses half full of coke on the bench. She looked into the living room. Rebecca's shoes were kicked under the coffee table. The throw was hanging over the arm of the couch. Cushions were scattered here and there. She finished clearing the sink, then began picking up the cushions in the living room. When she dropped to her knees to pick up Rebecca's shoes, she froze. A small oval shape was silhouetted under the couch. Chris straightened and licked her lips. The memory of the things she found in Rebecca's room returned like a breath of cold air. She'd asked Rebecca about the egg, but Rebecca had been just as mystified about how it had gotten into her cupboard. It couldn't be another one. She scrubbed at her gritty eyes. The thing under the couch was probably something else. One of Ben's Warhammer models. She bent down to the rug again and peered under the couch, sweeping a hand towards the oval shape. Her fingers closed over the shape, and she drew it out along with a grey dust bunny and a few strands of fine, blonde hair. It was another egg, heavy and cold, speckled and pale blue. She stared at the things strewn about the living room. A faint ripple travelled down her spine. Chris slowly pushed to her feet and walked up the stairs, telling herself not to hurry, nothing was wrong. She drew up to her daughter's room and knocked at the door. Beck? She opened the door and peeked inside. Rebecca? She flicked on the light. The room blazed into sight. Neat, clean, sterile. The bed was crisply made and empty. Her heart stuttered. She hurried to Ben's room. She twisted the doorknob and rebounded, grunting with surprise. He never locked his door. 
Ben? She knocked. Open the door. The light flicked on, and a thin, bright seam outlined the top and the sides of his door. She heard the thump of his feet hitting the carpet and the sound of things being removed from behind the doorway. Finally, the door opened a crack. Ben peeked out. Where's Rebecca? Ben hesitated. She's not here. What do you mean, she's not here? Mum. Ben shifted, so his body shielded the rest of his room from view. His eyes darted sideways to the area behind his door. Ben, open this door. He opened his mouth to argue. Right now, Benjamin. He stepped back, his shoulders sagging in defeat. Chris pushed against the door and was met with a dragging resistance. What the hell? She leaned in with her shoulder until she could fit through the gap. A blanket and an assortment of bags and books were shoved against the bottom of the door. Ben, what on earth are you doing? He stared back at her silently. His eyes were bloodshot. The skin around them was pinched and bruised. His room smelled musty and close. Ben, where's your sister? Morgan said they had a student council meeting. Rebecca went with them. A student council meeting? Now? Ben saw what was in her hand and gasped. He shrank back. Lips peeled, unable to drag his eyes away from the egg in her fist. The jumble cogs in her brain suddenly dropped into place. What is it, Ben? she asked. Have you seen one of these before? Ben nodded. What is it? How did it get in the house? He shook his head, edging away from her. I don't know. Rebecca leaves them for me. A second ripple ran down her back. Rebecca leaves them? For you? Chris turned the egg over, examining it. Why? Something shifted inside the egg. Chris yelped and almost dropped it. Ben gave a breathless shriek. She fought the urge to drop the egg to the ground and stomp on it. Chris cast around the room and saw one of the metal cases Ben used to store his warhammer figurines. Empty that out. Ben snatched up the box and tipped the figures onto his bed, scooping out the foam compartments. Orcs and dwarves tumbled out, clinking together with abandon. They were his pride and joy. He and Pete used to spend hours assembling and painting them, that he would toss them out registered as a sharp, hard stab of guilt. Later. They would deal with that later. She lowered the egg into the case. It lay there on the felt. Innocuous. 
and small. Ben jerked away. Close it, Mum, he cried, his voice cracking. Don't let it hatch. Close it. Close it. A tiny shard of shell lifted off the surface of the egg and fell away, revealing a sharp, dirty, yellow beak. It's all right. It's just a crow, she swallowed. Leslie said it's just a bird. The second shard was pecked away. The beak withdrew and was replaced by a huge, blind eye. It rolled obscenely, searching. When it found them, the eyes still and stared. The cry was low and sly. Chris slammed the lid down on the case, snapped the metal catches shut. She snatched her hands away and stepped back. Her skin felt too tight, her head too loose on the weak stalk of her neck. What are we going to do, Mum? Chris blinked and stared at him. I have to call Leslie. I need to find out what the hell it is. She took a deep breath. Can you stay here and watch it? Ben nodded. Chris gave his arm a quick squeeze, dashed down the stairs and into the kitchen. She reached for the phone. It shrilled. She gasped, caught a shaky breath and grabbed the handset. It was going to be Rebecca. It had to be. Beck had gone off with Morgan to hang out and they'd lost track of time. That's all this was. Anger and relief surged through her. Hello? Silence answered her. Hello? Beck? A faint, whispering rustle crawled down the line into her ear. Hello? Something slid into her ear canal. With a cry, Chris jerked the phone away, scrubbing at her ear. The handset lay cradled in her hand, normal in every way. With a click, the dial tone returned. She stared. It could have been a bad signal. It could have just been her hair tickling her ear. None of this was real. She fumbled with the buttons, trying three times before succeeding in dialing Leslie's number. Hello? Leslie's voice was thick with sleep. Chris swallowed, trying to work some moisture into her mouth. Hello, who is it? Les, it's Chris. Oh, hello. I thought it was telemarketer. I was going to hang up on you. Les, the crow I found in Rebecca's room, do you still have it? A pause. Sorry, love. Leslie sighed. Someone broke into the aviary and it's gone. 
Con, what do you mean? Why would someone do that? Beats me. It was a bit noisy. Maybe Roger down the road got sick of it. He never complained before, though. Old bastard. Could have just asked me. I would have brought it inside the house. The air in Chris's lungs suddenly felt very thin. No, don't bring it inside with you. Well, it's gone. It were just about ready to fledge anyway. Quick for a bird that young. Still, I haven't seen it, so it must have flown off. Either that or one of the snakes got it. Why, have you found another one? Yes, and this is going to sound crazy, but I think Rebecca's been leaving them. Beck? What for? Chris shook her head. I don't know. I don't know what's going on any more. Ben said she's been leaving them for him. What on earth is she doing? She's not herself, Les. She's changed. Slow down. Remember, love, she's a teenager, Leslie said. They all go through funny stages. I thought everything was great. I thought the school was really helping her. She is. It is. Chris squeezed her eyes shut. I think. I think she wants to hurt Ben. A second, longer pause filled the line. Chris, how much sleep have you been getting? Chris faltered. Um. An icy jolt shot through her. Ben, I'm coming. Chris, what is it? Les, whatever you do, don't let that bird into your house. What? Chris! Chris clattered the phone back into its cradle. It skidded and tumbled to the floor. The tinny sound of Leslie shouting still issuing from the speaker. Chris bolted back up the stairs, two and three steps at a time. Ben had backed up into the far corner of the room. He clutched his craft knife in front of him, blade out, his face a rictus of dismay. The case had fallen off the bed and was thumping unsteadily around the floor. Whatever was inside had grown large enough to batter against the lid, rattling the flimsy catches that held it shut. Chris stared in loose disbelief. Ben made a helpless, whining noise, and she snapped herself back. She ducked to his side and gently took the knife out of his clammy hands. Make it stop, Mum, he groaned. I want it to stop. Come on, Chris said quietly. The case fell still and silent. She was struck by the utterly clear, crazy notion that the bird inside was listening, alert, and hideously aware. She eased Ben along the wall behind her, pushing him towards the door. Go. Ben backed out. He plucked at her sleeve 
neither of them taking their eyes off the case. What are we going to do? he whispered. We're going to get Rebecca. The drive to St Kevin's seemed to telescope back and forth in time. One minute, the distance to Rebecca had stretched to an impossible length. The next, they had leapt forward, and the school was much, much too close. Ben, what was that thing? He shook his head and stared out at the windscreen like a waxy doll, lit by the pale glow of the sun rising ahead of them. I don't know. Rebecca said it would help me. Help you? How? She wouldn't say. Honey, why didn't you come to me with this? Chris glanced at the road and back at his ashen face. Rebecca said if I told, she would put one in your bed. Dread erupted inside her and broke over her skin, chilling her all the way through. They pulled into the looping driveway of the school, the cold ice around Chris's chest tightening, until she could only take dry sips of air. She flexed her hands to return the circulation to her fingers. What are we going to do? Ben asked. Chris looked down at her tingling hands. She had no idea. Um, Ben croaked. Perched on the bollards and benches of the pickup area was a murder of crows. They fluttered and preened watching and waiting. A black trio sat in the branches of a gum tree overlooking the parking lot. They were joined by more and more birds until the trees surrounding the car were gravid with dark, fluttering fruit. Not one bird caught. A lone crow broke from the cover of the pickup area and flew down onto the bonnet. Its flight was frantic and awkward, and it landed clumsily, screeching its claws along the paint. It scrabbled upright and stopped. Staring at Chris with a cock and curious blue eye. Its left wing was a bent and poorly healed mangle. The chick from Rebecca's closet. It hopped closer to the screen on Ben's side and pecked sharply on the glass. Ben gave a hoarse shriek and shrank in his seat. Chris reached for the horn with a slow, dreamlike speed. 
The blare startled the crows into flight, filling the air with a cloud of black feathers and furious cawing. A dusty, ripe smell gusted in through the air-conditioning vents. Chris held the horn down, sending its strident racket echoing across the grounds of the school. When the crows had fled, she stopped, dropping them both back into shocked silence. They'll know we're here now, they whispered. Chris unbuckled her seatbelt with a nod. You stay here. Do you understand? Don't open the door for anyone. She dug her phone out of her bag. Ring Leslie. Tell her to come get you. You go to her place and you stay there. What are you going to do? I'm going to get Rebecca. This has got to stop. Ben accepted her phone. His mouth was a tight, pinched line. The bruises under his eyes were more pronounced than ever. Be careful, Mum. She hugged him to her, filling her nose with the sour, boyish smell of him. He clung to her, his breath hot against her cheek. Hurry. Chris drew back and nodded. Stay here, lock the doors, call Leslie. And nodded. With a shuddering breath, Chris climbed out. She cast one final glance at him before depressing the lock and shutting the door behind her. She scanned the sky and trees for sign of the crows. Nothing. The student council met in the old chapel at the rear of the school. Chris ducked her head and hurried along the path that would take her past the office and across the oval. As she drew level with the principal's office, a movement caught her eye. Suzanne Fowler stood framed by the window. Her right hand was raised in a forgotten wave. Her eyes tracked Chris's passing like the trick eyes of a painting. Chris cut a fast glance back to her car where she could just make out Ben through the windscreen. She wavered. She could see the chapel nestled at the far end of the oval. She checked again on the principal. Miss Fowler had not moved. She continued to stare past Chris, her fingers curl and uncurl in a childish version of a wave. Chris shivered. Ben would have to be all right. Leslie would come and get him soon. The school's only five minutes from Leslie's place. Chris had to get Rebecca. She pushed the principal from her thoughts and broke into a jog towards the oval. As she drew closer, she slowed. The chapel was shadowed in a thicket of trees bordering the oval. The roof was black and peaked, topped with a large, roughly made wooden cross. As she took another step closer, the roof rippled, and she saw hundreds of bright blue eyes reflected in the early light. A single rattling sigh rose from one of the crows and was taken up by the rest until the air reverberated. Chris edged across to a thick branch by her left foot, 
and without taking her eyes off the bird, snagged it up and straightened. She tightened her fingers around the branch and edged over to the door, followed by hundreds of eyes. She stepped up to the double wooden doors and pushed them open. The same stale, musty air that had filled her car rushed out to meet her, only a thousand times worse. Underneath this stink was a sweet, heavy layer of rot. It was the rank stench of bloated animals smeared on the side of the road, their insides trailing behind them like pink streamers. Chris gagged. Rebecca? She called, fighting to catch her breath. Beck, are you in there? A slippery rustle echoed from far back in the chapel. The only light came from the early morning sun that cut across the entrance, leaving most of the interior in darkness. The windows had all been boarded up, allowing only slivers of sunlight to slice through the gloom. Her fingers were starting to cramp along the length of the branch. Rebecca? Mum? Rebecca's voice quavered from inside. Beck, hold on, I'm coming. Chris flexed her hands on the branch, sucked in air, and stepped out of the sunlight. Restless. Fluttering movement broke the inky shadows. As she passed deeper into the chapel, Chris felt more eyes watching her. She peered into the edges of the room, searching for a glimpse of golden hair. Peck, she whispered. Rebecca whimpered. Chris spun in the direction of the sound. Sweat trickled down her back and sprung up on her top lip. The inside of the chapel was hot, as if burning with a fever. Twigs and other small things crackled and crunched under her shoes. Something the size of a man shifted to her right. She flinched rigid eyes wide in the pressing gloom. There was the suggestion of huge wings tucking under. Then whatever it was, still, content to watch and wait. Chris glanced back towards the doorway. It seemed a very long way away. Mum? Chris spun and saw a faint gleam in the far right corner beside the podium. She hurried towards it and grasped the body. Turning it over, Rebecca tumbled sideways, her hair spilling over her cheeks like a ghostly veil. Rebecca! 
Chris hissed. She looked up, checking for movement. Several sets of cobalt blue eyes regarded her, unblinking. They seemed to hang from the ceiling and the walls in the darkness, disembodied and emotions. Stay right where you are, she muttered. She bent to her daughter and slipped one hand under her arm. Rebecca felt dry and hot. Get up, sweetie. Rebecca lay motionless. Come on, honey. We need to get out of here. Chris hauled Rebecca to her feet and began dragging her towards the rectangle of light. Just a couple more feet. Rebecca weighed no more than a bag of bones and feathers. When they reached the threshold, Chris risked a fast peek behind. The unblinking blue eyes hadn't moved. She dragged Rebecca across and out into the grass in front of the chapel. Rebecca tumbled to the ground and lay face down, huddled into herself. Chris threw the branch aside and grabbed Rebecca under the armpits. She heaved. Rebecca's top half came away with a dry cough, like a hay bale being torn in two. Chris stumbled backwards, staring down at her daughter's lolling head and torso. The ground swooped from under her feet, threatening to tip her over. The top of her head felt like it would float off and away into the pale dawn. An agonising croak escaped her gaping mouth. No! She swivelled Rebecca around, needing to see knowing she could very well lose her mind the moment she did. The blonde head flopped loosely on the neck, then tumbled to the grass. Chris screamed, a high and airless shriek. She dropped the torso, scrubbing her hands on her legs. She saw that the thing she had torn apart wasn't Rebecca. It was some kind of cruel scarecrow dressed in Rebecca's clothes, done up with a blonde wig. Sorry, Ma. Chris spun around and saw Rebecca framed in the darkness of the chapel doorway. By some trick of light, it looked like two monstrous black wings were tucked behind her back. A soft, feathery rustle behind her produced Morgan, the school captain, and the rest of the student council. What? Chris shook her head. What is this? A scream echoed from the front of the school. Chris snapped her head up. Ben? Morgan's pale lips split into a grin. A cold weight plunged through Chris's gut. Why? Morgan shrugged. Some things need help to fledge. Chris staggered back, 
shaking her head. No, Rebecca, this isn't you. I am held in his palm, Rebecca murmured, her expression beatific. Ben screamed again. Chris groaned, feeling like something was tearing inside of her. No, please. She turned and ran. No, please, no, please, no, please, no. The words tore out of her as she ran. They were a type of mad prayer. But even as a stitch stabbed deep into her side, she stumbled into view of the car park. She couldn't stop. Her car was covered in a skin of black, fluttering feathers. Birds broke off from the surface, cawing, only to fight their way back into the top and sides of the car. Inside, a scream sounded broken and raw. Susan Fowler stooped beside the passenger side and picked up a rock. Chris tore towards her, shouting the same idiot litany. No, please, no, please, no, please. The principal straightened and looked up. She smiled pleasantly, vacantly, drew her arm back and smashed the window. Glass blew in choking off Ben's screams. The principal pulled away bits of bloody crow, reached into her pocket, and drew out something small, pale and oval, and shoved it inside the car. Chris ploughed into her. The principal flew onto her side, landing with a graceless grunt, where she lay winded, gasping for air. Chris lurched to her feet, grabbing the car door handle. The door opened with a thunk, sending her tumbling back. Ben sat lax and still on the seat. He swiveled his head around to her and smiled. Small pieces of shell lay scattered down the front of his shirt. Don't worry, Mrs. Mallard, Susan Fowler said brightly, struggling to sit up. St. Kevin's has an excellent sibling discount. That was Genevieve Flynn's The Fledgling, a Tales to Terrify original, as read by Margaret Essex. Margaret Essex is a narrator from Australia. Thank you, Margaret. That'll be our show for the evening, children of the night. Visit our Patreon page in the links below, and don't forget to like us on Apple Podcasts. Our show is produced by our editors, Scott Silk, Seth Williams, and Drew Sebastini. Website designed by Josh Leitze, and theme music by Diane Severson. Tales to Terrify is distributed under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 license. Join us again next week for another episode of Tales to Terrify. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network.
dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.